well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? <clears throat> the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us today. This is the uh, first day that the uh, new rules on unfinished frames and receivers uh, are now in effect. The, uh, you know, gun-making kits uh, that have become, I think, increasingly popular over the last couple of years, uh, now considered firearms in and of themselves by the Biden administration and uh, by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Yes, the uh, new ghost guns rule is in effect today, despite court challenges, as the Washington Post reports. Uh, We had uh, federal judges in North Dakota and in Texas uh, on Tuesday uh, refused to grant an injunction blocking these new laws from taking effect, which has led to sites like this uh, on a lot of uh, different web platforms here, temporarily closed, making changes to the website in order to comply with the new ATF rule uh, that is effective on August 24th, 2022. Uh, yeah, really difficult right now uh, to find not just, uh, uh, you know, kits, but even just 80% frames or receivers right now, even though uh, the Biden administration, a DOJ judge or a DOJ attorney rather, told that judge in Texas during the oral arguments uh, on that request for a uh, an injunction, uh, this Texas company, Division 80, said, listen, if this rule goes into effect, we're not going to be able to uh, sell our products without becoming an FFL because all these things are going to have to be serialized. We sell 80% frames and receivers. The DOJ attorney actually said, no, <laughs> you're not covered by that. Uh, this new rule, it, it doesn't apply to you. It applies to these uh, DIY kits. And the uh, federal judge overseeing this hearing said, responded to Division 8, well, uh, what, what does that do to your case? And they said, well, uh, it still stands because the laws are so, or the rules, rather, are so vaguely written, we have no idea what is covered. And to be sure, today, even though the Biden administration argued in Texas that Division 80's products were not actually covered under this new rule, uh, that instead this rule applied only to serializing uh, kits, um, Division 80's not selling their 80% uh, frames of receivers. Either are any other companies that, that I've been able to find online. Now, I didn't do an exhaustive search. Maybe there are a couple of companies uh, out there that are still doing it, but I've not been able to find uh, anybody right now who's making, uh, again, not, not kits, but just simply you know unfinished frames of receivers uh, available for sale today. Uh, the Washington Post reporting on the uh, judge's decision uh, in North Dakota, that was the uh, first decision we saw yesterday in which a, a judge says, now we're going to allow this rule to uh, go into effect. Uh, they write, opponents of the rule denounced it as an unconstitutional overreach. Federal lawsuit filed in North Dakota by plaintiffs, including a gun store in the state, group of Republican attorneys general, and gun owners of America. So the rule, quote, violates principles of federalism and will sow chaos within large segments of the firearms community. But yesterday, Chief Judge Peter Welty of the District of North Dakota denied that request for a preliminary or permanent injunction, writing that the Biden administration has acted within its authority in laying out the rule. Welty, by the way, nominated by President Donald Trump, wrote that the new rules, quote, uh, or, or the new uh, rule, rather, was and remains constitutional 
under the Second Amendment. Uh, in this 27-page order, he wrote, without a doubt, this case presents divisive issues that all parties care deeply about uh, and are of national concern and importance, as documented by the participation of nearly every state in the country in this action. Nevertheless, he said, this court's rule uh, and responsibility remains the same, to apply the law to the facts and not to the arguments or policy of each case. Now, just because the request for an injunction was denied doesn't mean that the case will not proceed. But it is a signal uh, that uh, not just this judge in North Dakota, but this judge in Texas don't believe it is likely that the plaintiffs are going to win on the merits of this case. In other words, they've based on what they've heard so far, uh, they think that this rule is likely to be upheld and there's no reason to put a halt to its enforcement. I disagree. Uh, I am uh, curious to see what the reaction uh, from uh, other uh, folks who actually, you know, have law degrees have to say about this. Uh, Mark Burnovich, who is the attorney general in Arizona, and he was uh, leading the effort on the part of the uh, Republican AGs, uh, his office uh, did release a statement uh, saying that uh, Burnovich was, quote, disappointed with the judge's decision and uh, that the attorney general will, quote, will continue to defend the Second Amendment against overly burdensome regulations, uh, saying, quote, the right to keep and bear arms includes the ability to procure guns as well as parts and ammunition. So we do have chaos, undoubtedly, again, as uh, you've seen, if you've tried to buy an uh, 80% frame or receiver today. Um, but what is likely to happen next? That's kind of where I'm interested. Obviously, again, this lawsuit or these lawsuits, I should say, will continue to proceed. But I think it's also fair to say that the Biden administration, uh, new ATF director Steve Dettelbach and the gun control lobby are going to be emboldened uh, by the fact that uh, this rule has been upheld, at least for now. Remember, they've got at least one other rule in the pipeline. Uh, this rule uh, that uh, will likely lead to pistol-stabilizing braces having to be registered under the National Firearms Act. Uh, we are still waiting for the final publication of this rule. Uh, Senator James Langford led a, a group of uh, senators just a, about a month or so ago uh, in writing to Steve Dettelbach, expressing their concerns about uh, this proposed rule, which the uh, ATF said uh, in a status report uh, in a lawsuit filed by the Second Amendment Foundation uh, just a couple of months ago, that they expect this final rule to be published in December of this year and then uh, take effect, uh, what, 90 to 120 days after that. Um, that, uh, I think, has been pushed back. Uh, from what we've been hearing uh, earlier in the year. But again, beyond the stabilizing brace issue, which, by the way, is no insignificant matter, uh, given that as many as 40 million Americans, uh, by uh, some estimates, could ultimately be impacted by this ATF rule. I, I, I still don't think that is the end of the Biden administration's uh, attempt to legislate new gun control laws via executive branch regulation. And I think really that is the issue here. I know this federal judge said, ah, it's perfectly fine for the ATF to do what the ATF did under the Gun Control Act of 1968. 
again, I'm not an attorney, much less a judge, but uh, I would disagree. When, when the ATF now has the uh, authority to designate things that are clearly not firearms as firearms because somebody could make something into a firearm, I, I, I think that goes beyond the language of the Gun Control Act of 1968. But uh, again, I'm not a judge. If I was, it'd be a very different decision. Uh, that was issued yesterday. So what else might be in the pipeline here? If the gun control lobby and the Biden administration uh, believe that uh, regulatory action is the quickest way to enact gun control, especially if Republicans take back either the House or the Senate in November, uh, and I still think it is likely that the Republicans are going to take back the House, I'm a little bit, well, I'm a lot more concerned about the Senate at this point. And uh I have to say, I'm getting increasingly concerned that uh, a red wave election may be receding uh, based on what we've seen in you know a couple of special elections, including uh, the special election last night in New York, in which a swing district uh, basically acted the way that it did in 2020. It was a, a special election to Congress. Uh, the uh, Democratic uh, nominee got uh, about 51 percent of the vote. The Republican got about 48% of the vote. That that largely matches what we saw in that district uh, back in 2020. And I understand special elections, low turnout, things can be different. But there are signs out there, if you're a pessimist, and there are certainly signs out there uh, that we may not be looking at this uh, dominating red wave come November. Look, a lot of things can change. I think the economy is um, in a very perilous place right now. But uh, at the moment... The idea that Republicans are going to handily take back both the House and the Senate, I, I don't think we can. I don't think we can assume that's going to be the case. Um, again, all it takes, though, is for Republicans to take control of one chamber in Congress, and all of a sudden, uh, Joe Biden's gun control efforts, legislatively anyway, uh, are, are dead in the water. Right? Uh, even the uh, uh, ban on so-called assault weapons that was passed by the House, um, the Senate cannot pick that up. In January, uh, a new session of Congress begins and everything, you know, the clock starts all over again. So even if the Democrats were to, let's say, gain a couple of seats in the Senate, uh, they can't act on the gun ban that was passed by the House earlier this year. Uh, they would have to do that again before the end of the year. And right now they just don't have the votes. So I still think that um, we are going to see more regulatory action. And my concern is that this decision today, well, again, st or yesterday, still leaving the, uh, the the lawsuits in place, um, might give the administration reason to believe that they can go much further. And, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times uh, here on Cam and Company over the past several months, but gun control advocates are arguing in court right now that the ATF has the ability to regulate all semi-automatic long guns, in fact, all semi-automatic firearms, uh, under the National Firearms Act because the semi-automatic firearms are, uh, quote, readily converted to machine guns and therefore should be treated as such. Now, again, I think that's a huge reach, Right. It's one thing to talk about uh, trying to regulate uh, unserialized firearms or even unfinished firearms under the Gun Control Act of 1968. 
that is a pretty small portion of the broader universe of uh, legally possessed firearms in this country going after virtually all semi-automatic firearms and claiming that they should be regulated under the National Firearms Act, that would be a huge step. Uh, that would be a bold move, sort of a Hail Mary pass uh, by the gun control movement and the Biden administration. But I can't help but think that um, the fact that these ghost gun rules are now in effect makes it at least slightly more plausible that the Biden administration may very well try to do that Hail Mary. Particularly, again, if they know that uh, a legislative path to more gun control has been thwarted uh, for at least two years. So keep your eyes on what's going on with the ATF. I mean, there's a lot going on with uh, Steve Dettelbach now in charge there. Not only you know do we have these knock and talk visits to gun owners that are sh- uh, uh, popping up in the news around the country where somebody who you know bought a couple of guns over a couple-month period of time, all of a sudden gets a, a visit from several ATF agents, to ask, you know, no no warrant, just asking them questions. Hey, can we can we see the gun? Do you still have the gun? What happened to the gun? Right? Supposedly, this is all about cracking down on straw purchases. While that's going on, we're seeing um, reports that uh, rare breed triggers uh, are being seized from customers who purchased them. Um, and now we've got, again, the uh, new, quote-unquote, ghost gun rules in effect, the stabilizing brace rules that are on the way. And I uh, I just don't see the Biden administration stopping there. So we will keep our eyes on everything coming out of Washington, D.C. I, I should be clear, by the way. I've heard no inkling or rumors that the uh, administration is preparing uh, to publish a rule that would regulate all semi-automatic firearms under the National Firearms Act. I, 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 I've seen nothing to indicate that, uh, that that is imminent from the administration. However, there again is plenty of evidence that the gun control lobby is pushing for this, both in court filings that we've seen from groups like Giffords and Brady, where they have argued uh, in litigation against gun stores that, uh, that these firearms should be treated like machine guns. Uh, the Trace, Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun website, has run a couple of pieces over the past couple of months talking about how uh, the ATF could do something like this, noting that uh, back, I think it was back in the 80s, uh, the ATF said, well, this particular model of fire made by this particular company uh, can be readily converted to a machine gun uh, if you do, you know, this one simple trick. So uh, we're going to say that this model, uh, it needs to be changed uh, or it's got to be covered under the NFA. Um, they're bringing this up as examples of the type of action that the Biden administration could take if it really wants to be aggressive on gun control. And I suspect, again, that uh, after the midterms, Biden may be willing to go uh, much more aggressively via executive action than what we have seen to date. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a case out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where a man had a 15-year prison sentence suspended and instead was sentenced to probation in a shooting that took place last year. Mm -hmm. 15 years down to, well, nothing, basically. Uh, A slap on the wrist. Um, The uh, gentleman in question, 19-year-old Arian Storm Green, was charged originally with attempted murder 
But he pleaded guilty back in June to uh, a felony charge of intimidation with a dangerous weapon, as well as going armed with intent. Um, according to authorities, uh, Green was identified as firing a handgun at a gentleman named Jalen Jackson back on August 26th of 2021. Uh, police said that Green, after shooting multiple rounds, then fled on foot. Jackson was not injured. Uh, thankfully, during the shooting, Green was arrested in January of this year by the U.S. Marshals Northern Iowa Fugitive Task Force on outstanding warrants, which again would seem to indicate that uh, this was being treated as a pretty serious case until the plea agreement was offered. And uh, as the Cedar Rapids Gazette reports, as part of the plea agreement, Sixth Judicial District Chief Judge Lars Anderson. Uh, ran the 10- and 5-year sentences consecutively for a total of 15 years, but then suspended both and sentenced Arian Green to three years, three years of probation. Uh, Anderson warned Green that the 15-year sentence is, quote, hanging over your head, and if he violates the probation, he could be sent to prison, uh, warning him that the best thing to do is to stay away from drugs and firearms. Well, I, I sure hope that uh, young Mr. Green takes advantage of the uh, judge's advice uh, as well as the sweetheart plea deal that he was offered. But uh, I got to say, man, three years probation for shooting at somebody when you were originally eligible for 15 years behind bars. Yeah, that that's I'm, that that rubs me the wrong way. Uh, today's armed citizen story. From California, Riverside County, California, where an intruder was killed early this morning during an attempted burglary uh, at an apartment. Uh, local media in uh, uh, Southern California, excuse me, uh, reporting that um, this intruder uh, apparently was shot around 1.30 this morning. Uh, the homeowner, unfortunately, or the apartment dweller, was uh, shot as well. Police found uh, both the attacker and the victim suffering from uh, gunshot wounds when they arrived on the scene. According to authorities, both fired several shots during the attempted burglary. Uh, video evidence appears to show at least one bullet hole in a window. The intruder passed away at the hospital. The uh, homeowner, uh, who was found in a car that apparently crashed in the parking lot, was wounded in his lower body. He is expected to survive his injuries, thankfully. Uh, we will keep our eyes on this story. Given that it is Southern California, I suppose the possibility uh, always exists that this Homeowner could be charged for defending himself, but I would like to think that uh, somebody breaks in your home and starts shooting at you. Even in Southern California, you have the right to shoot back. Today's good deed of the day, also from California, more uh, I guess the uh, Bay Area, where the California Highway Patrol is appraising uh, a good Samaritan who uh, not only was in the right place and at the right time to save somebody who drove off a cliff, but actually uh, climbed down 300 feet uh, in order to rescue that individual. Yeah, I know. Um, this was in La Honda, California. It was Monday night. An elderly man uh, who had been reported missing apparently drove off this cliff, tumbled hundreds of feet down. Uh, he was driving a, a white Land Rover, and he ended up 300 feet down this hill. He spent the night... Outside, it wasn't found until Tuesday morning uh, when a good Samaritan, who was described as a man in his 70s, spotted that vehicle. And according to uh, Art Montiel, who's the public information officer for the uh, CHP in Redwood City, uh, the uh, 70-something-year-old man uh, went back to the scene, tied a rope to his truck, 
and then climbed down the hill to assist the man <clears throat> who had, uh, again, uh, uh, suffered this accident. Uh, CHP deputies, fire crews arrived uh, soon afterwards uh, to uh, help complete the rescue. Uh, Officer Montiel says they don't recommend climbing down the side of a cliff uh, to uh, aid others, but they are grateful, they say, uh, for this individual's quick thing. And they say, yeah, quote, we appreciate it whenever the public calls in. Yeah, I, I, I know you can't encourage people to, you know, tie a rope to their truck and then rappel down the side of a cliff to uh, help somebody out. I know you can't encourage that. But I have a feeling that uh, they're very grateful for this uh, action as well. The uh, driver, by the way, uh, that man who was reported missing, uh, is expected to recover from his injuries. He did have some uh, some injuries uh, reported as a result of that accident, but it looks like uh, he is going to be okay as well. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for joining me here on the program. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. We've got you covered. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your membership. And as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then. Be well, be safe, and be free.